everyone and everyone listening. This is Connie Lingus here with an intro this time around again with the Ottoman Empire. You thought I was gone in 1921, but I'm back and I'm coming for my land. Also known as Peter here for another edition of Category is drag cast extravaganza question you can mark? hear you can hear that Connie is very very tired and that's because today is July 1st today is the day where we put away the rainbows and we forget that pride existed for 11 months oh we'll talk about that in a moment I'm joking but let me make that very clear pride is over except right. it will never really end well, it's not over for the people that actually care, but for everyone that was taking advantage of Pride, it's over. So we figured we'd do a little bit of a recap of World Pride Weekend, some of the more noteworthy events, some opinions on them, and just some opinions on how this Pride turned out in general. So uh, we'll go pretty much in order of how things happened Thursday through Saturday, there was a, another edition of Sasha Velour's Nightgowns. For those that are unaware, it's basically a drag review show featuring a bunch of different queens doing a bunch of different numbers. And by queen, they expand the definition to everyone. It's not just gay cis men. Anybody can be a queen if they want to be. Yes, it's very inclusionary, which is what you'd expect out of Sasha Velour. So, being that it was a, a version of the event that came around Pride Weekend, uh, this one was uh, very uh, reflective and had a lot of history to talk about. Uh, Sasha gave a lot of context to Stonewall, trying to give the most detailed version of the story while also being entertaining and also the other queens there were acknowledging different parts of the history of the queer community in their own unique ways. It's really nice that Stonewall doesn't just make you think of Stonewall Jackson anymore. It's now like a really strong symbol for pride. Just figured I'd bring that up. It makes you think. Sure. So we got a bunch of different numbers. It was 12 each night. I attended the Thursday show. And uh, there were consistently good numbers. I hate to pick a favorite, but I will anyways. Uh, There were three that particularly stood out to me. So Untitled Queen, who is a uh, regular of the Nightgowns community, did a monologue and lip sync number regarding... uh, trans POCs that have lost their lives to violence. It was very touching. They projected images of several individuals that lost their lives as the song was going on and as the monologue was going on. So it was very heavy and a good perspective giver as to how many trans members of the community we've lost to violence. Uh, Another standout number, and I think many might be surprised to hear this, but Jiggly Caliente did a number for the Friday night show, and her number was also a monologue and lip sync similar to Untitled, except hers was a lot more 
personal. She told the story of a sexual assault while she was working as a sex worker. And it was really, really eye-opening and touching to see someone reflect on what they consider to be the lowest point of their life and how some people treat trans people like absolute dirt. Her lipstick number was about not losing your voice in times of trouble and she ended it full of tears and everyone in the audience was completely overwhelmed and felt for her when she did it. So kudos to Jiggly for putting her story out there. And then finally, this one stands out from the rest in a big way. It's not as reflective, but it was cool. So Vander Van Odd, who has done numbers for nightgowns in the past, uh, she had a number where she had black construction paper hearts that she was pulling out of her corset, and she had a stapler in the other hand, and at various points during the song, she was stapling those pieces of paper to her skin raw skin staples jackass style oh yeah it was bad it was one on each thigh one around each nipple one on each cheek and i think what maybe made people cringe the most was one right in the center of her forehead Ooh. yeah it was like the type of thing where people were like no girl stop don't do it like it was it was fun to watch because of just how yucked out people were but people were still very impressed she got a huge round of applause i think everyone left that show feeling slightly uncomfortable but i think that was the point i'm feeling uncomfortable and i wasn't even there it was it was real entertaining if that sounded interesting to you um, maybe give it a watch when it returns they try to make it a monthly thing so that was Thursday through Saturday. On Friday, I'd say one of the big events was Trixie and Katya looks and laughs. Feet Evie. Featuring Evie and a few others, which we'll talk about in a second. So the show basically was a show in two parts. It was an hour, more or less, of Trixie and Katya they split the time about like half and half between the both of them if I had to describe it I'd say it was akin to cutting out chunks from their solo drag shows and just abridging it for this so if you've seen either Trixie's Skinny Legend tour or Katya's uh help me i'm dying tour which is coming soon to new york you probably are familiar with what what they did and it, it was it was nice they did do two numbers together by the end of it they did abba songs so which is which songs uh i think i want to say it was waterloo and dancing queen Question. all right they're both they're both solid um yeah there's some better ones, but I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Uh, tr- a lot of Trixie shtick was her with her guitar making jokes and singing funny songs. Katya's shtick was acting in her Russian character and more lip syncs. I'd say that Trixie was the funnier of the two, but 
Katya's energy and outfit variation was maybe more entrancing. That's just my opinion. So that was the first half. It was like a 10-minute intermission. And then the rest of the bill came out. So Evie was the MC for the second part of the show. Trixie and Katya just left, <laughs> I'm assuming. Evie was the MC and did a few numbers of her of her own she did her verse from the rupaul song from season 11 her other song she did pretty much the entire song which is like two or three minutes is that the dollar store yes after seeing evie i would describe her drag style as if eric andre did drag that was evie's vibe evie did her thing brought out cameron michaels cameron michaels did a song introduced other people uh i kind of pop came out do you remember Icona Pop, Peter? No, I don't. Uh, they're the I don't care people. I don't care. I oh. love it. I wish I didn't remember them. Uh, so they came out. They did four songs. So I'd say a good chunk of the second half was their performance. They ended their set with I don't care. And as they were performing I don't care, the last of the queens that were billed came out and like walked the runway the stage was basically had like a runway section jutting out for the middle that pretty much everyone used um so the rest of the people that were there were asia o'hara violet tchotchke naomi smalls kimchi aquaria it's like you're giving such a normal rundown and all of a sudden it's like kimchi is there aquaria is there like what a because- what a lead up because that's the thing. It's literally Iconopop perform. We're like, oh, well, we're doing our last song and we're going to bring the rest of the queens out. Everyone remember when we were relevant? Yeah. I'm. A, yo, people were people were enjoying. Their set was not bad. Like, I well, was, I mean, when you're there, you're going to you're going to enjoy it. I yeah. hope so. Yeah. I was just laughing because I went in there and I was like, OK, so are they just going to do a song? <laughs> because that's. That's all I know I kind of pop for. But no, they had like four and like I actually recognize like a couple of the other ones. They weren't bad. Well, what's kind of bad is that basically all the other queens I just mentioned just walked the runway and left and it just ended. Like when you're bringing kimchi and Aquaria with you, you're not going to like do something more creative. I don't know. Maybe they're not being paid very much to go here. And it's just like. I'm literally just walking down the runway to show I'm here, yeah. and that's that. You're not paying me enough for this. Yeah, it was like a glorified cameo, honestly. The outfits that they wore on stage were the outfits that they wore on like all the advertisements for the show. Ugh. So it's like spoilers for like your- Like spoilers. Bre- I, was, I wanted to see what incredible outfits you were going to bring, and then it's like, oh boy, it's just the sequins you wore on the ad. Yeah. Like, more- what's the point? Why do I go in that case, yeah, huh? More or less. Overall, I think the first half of the show with Katya and Trixie was better. Uh, The second half was kind of underwhelming, though Evie was very good. Evie was great. Evie, we love you. If you're... We love all of you, though. Yes. But also Evie. Yes, I might recommend to you that if you liked Evie on the show you'll probably love her in person because she has a real fun ecstatic energy to her that was quite entertaining so Saturday uh, to get a little more I guess serious uh, was the Dyke March Uh, the Dyke March is exactly what it sounds like it's 
March, all about dykes. On their website, they said... If We're allowed to use that word when it's in the parade, so... Yes. Uh, basically, they said, if you identify as a dyke, come out. And uh, they build themselves as, A, not having corporate sponsors, B, not having a police presence. So, the first part was true and accurate. The second part, uh, there still was police because you can't have that many people without some semblance of police being there. But it wasn't like the World Pride Parade where there was like police marching and being represented. They were just a few of them there. It rained a little bit during the march, but it stopped at 6. It started at 5, so the tail end of it was rain-free. And uh, uh, one of my friends who saw this deemed a highlight Someone in a leather thong twerked on top of a parked NYPD car. Okay. They build themselves as, like, this isn't a parade, this is a protest. And I think that's definitely what more of this weekend needed, as we'll get into in a second. So just wanted to touch on the dike, Mark. And now we'll talk about the... March that everyone was familiar the with. The Sunday Pride March. Yes, yeah. Not June only, 30th. Not only was it the Pride March, it was World Pride March. So it was the worldwide Pride event that they changed from location to location each year. There were 677 contingents represented, uh, and organizers expected at least 150,000 people to march, with hundreds of thousands more in the streets watching. Uh, and he felt it. It was super packed and like a safety hazard. They really need to figure out logistics better. Um, so, yeah, uh, there were among those people that were marching were lots of different countries that were saying like, hey, we're a candidate for the next World Pride or hey, we're getting the next World Pride or hey, we did World Pride. So it was interesting to see that. There was a lot of states representing themselves this Pride. It was nice to see a wide variety of representation. There was lots of people that were marching on behalf of trans, issues of people of color that were trans. My big complaint, though, is that the pacing was a bit off and that according to their schedule and from what I witnessed, because I did not say for the whole march because that would mean like 12 hours of march, they kind of compacted who marched into groups of like similar type interests and for a big long chunk it was like government representation so it was like we had Cuomo there we had Bill de Blasio there we you know had... when you can get both Cuomo and de Blasio in the same general mile vicinity that it's a pretty big deal yeah. You know, it, do you know how much we're risking when we put them that close? The city could have exploded. OK, yeah, that uh, is a tea kettle and it is about to erupt. Yeah, they seemed very happy to be there, which they better. Pretty much every sect of New York and New York City government was there. And that really threw off pacing because it was like a bunch of fun floats. And then it's like, hey, look, it's Jill Brand's crew. With her flag, but she wasn't there, so it's like, oh. wait, she wasn't actually there. No, her... where was she? I don't know. I'm just like, I'm trying to think of it from a political standpoint. 
what could be like more important for your campaign staying afloat than to be on the float? Yeah, she. They didn't even have a float. They were just walking with a Gillibrand flag. Okay, maybe it was just a bunch of hey, we're Gilla fans. No, I doubt it. They were probably affiliated with them because that entire block with government people. As a former paid protester, I can affirm that paid political actors exist. Fair. So that was the World Pride March. I'll talk a bit more about it in a second when I give my overall thoughts as to Pride Weekend and Pride Month. The other march that happened before World Pride uh, was the Queer Liberation March, which I think was just as important, if not more so important than the World Pride March in terms of what it was representing. So that march went from West 10th Street, then onto 6th Avenue, all the way to Central Park, uh, with a lot of people apparently that joined in a part as uh, when it got to Bryant Park. Anyone there could join the parade, and they took any ethnicity, age, gender. Uh what I really respect about it was how commemorative that whole deal was. Like, on their website, they made it clear, like, okay, it, in addition to our march, we should have two moments of silence that day. So they had one moment of silence at 11 a.m., which was uh, in honor of, as they put, communities. We, we have lost to homophobia, transphobia, racism sexism, HIV, AIDS, and violence in all of its forms throughout history. And then at 2 p.m., there's the second moment of silence, which was in honor of all those who've had their lives cut short, in particular of trans women of color that, as was in the untitled drag queen piece at Nikon's, just bringing up the fact that lots of trans people of color women are losing their lives. So it felt a lot more in spirit to the original pride marches. They they also went the, like the route of like this is more of a protest, no corporate sponsorships, no police. And then they had a rally at the end of the route that Larry Kramer, who's a super notable activist you may know him from the documentary how to survive a plague he gave a speech and he was like yeah this feels more in line with what pride is about so it was nice to have something that was sincere earnest and self-aware of the fact that hey you could have fun in pride and you should because you need to feel happy and proud of your community but at the same time don't lose track of all the people the community has lost don't lose track to why we do this in the first place which kind of brings me to my overall takeaways corporate presence at pride was bigger than ever and a lot of people associated with corporate entities in the pop-up shops all around like parade there's like Banks and... Well, banks will be at any fair-like event, let's be real. Sure, but there's a time and a place for a bank, and especially when it comes to like how banks have screwed over the disenfranchised and people of color throughout history and 
part of pride is celebrating people of color, especially queer people. It feels a bit out of touch and out of place. Uh, like Colgate was there. Just so many brands taking an advantage. And No, we had Peppermint talk about this last week. She put it very eloquently on Twitter. Okay, so let's use the sudden influx of hashtag pride, rainbow flag, spirit as, sorry, I'm going to say the emojis out loud, as momentum to hold the corporations accountable. You're welcome to into our community, but it's a permanent post of solidarity and support. So essentially saying, listen, you can go in, you can support us, but it's a one-way street. You're not just like, hey, we're going to put a rainbow over our store during June and then forget about you for 11 months until the next June 1st. Yeah. So we did talk about that last week and the fact that, yeah, corporations getting involved in Pride is, to an extent, inevitable. Yes. And uh, we may do, in the coming months, like a check-in of all the people that were at Pride, see if they're actually still doing anything for the community. I mean, I wouldn't anticipate the rainbow logos to stay. But I meant just in terms of just even action and doing things for the community. Right, I get that. So that's something we may do in the future. Another thing that uh, is a takeaway, police presence was everywhere. And it's both, it's very intimidating, both as a white passing person of color. And it must feel even worse for non-white passing people of color who like, Part of the event is to commemorate how violence has been placed against them in that community throughout history. Not only that, it just feels so contrary to the origins of pride. I mean, look, I would want them there to keep everything safe. I'll say that because you have had attempts of, I'll go out ahead and say it, terrorist threats in large events. I mean, is a terrorist threat at a pride march really that difficult to imagine not for me so i would be worried if they weren't keeping it secure now look i understand that there could still be tensions and i understand that the police weren't exactly the friends of the community during stonewall but if there's a time when we have to try to make sure that there's unity especially in helping to keep this community thriving and keep them proud well I think that it's important. Yes, sure. Like to... We should not ignore the past, but we should keep in mind where the world is at now. We're in a post-9-11 world here. Yeah. So Fear I... is just how we live. Yeah. So I, I don't know what the right way to do this, but it's certainly not great to have a huge government collective that makes people uncomfortable at present this is a problem without a solution we can acknowledge that okay there's a situation here that makes people feel uncomfortable but there isn't a real way for us to fix this efficiently not yet it's something that we kind of have to work towards and get to yeah definitely um last couple of points i thought the tone at pride is still a bit weird and that it feels like two competing perspectives. There is the side of, hey, let's be happy. Let's celebrate our community. Let's celebrate our accomplishments. Let's have a good time. But there's also the side of, hey, a lot of bad things have happened in the community. We've lost a lot of people, whether it be to AIDS or to violence or whatever the case may be. And 
those two sides, I feel like, still have not been incorporated well. Like, it's weird that there is, like, two parades now to get both your your fills of both. It, it I feel like the major Pride event needs to worry a little less about the brands and how excited you are to see your queens, like drag queens appear, but also like to remember things. Cause I feel like there's not enough commemoration coming out of the super big events. It's a community of people, not a passing circus. It is something that people are regularly affected by in their day-to-day lives. And it's important to remind everyone of that. Now, look, it still stands true that you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. So, I mean, just having protests is unlikely to scoop up lots of people to your cause. But it certainly stresses the urgency of a situation. Now, what all of these big, overpretentious words mean is that, once again, it's really tough to approach this in the right way. Um, there's a need for both a joyful attitude and a very aggressive attitude, and it's tough to find a happy balance, so people often just resort to one or the other, and as a result, you have two parades that feel entirely different. Yep. Finally, last thing I want to know. Politicians... We're happy that some of you support the community, but is Pride really your place? It just feels so weird to have- Your place is in Iowa, guys. Let's be real. Not only that, it's just so much government presence. Like, even beyond the cops, it's like, honey, yeah, be happy about the like accomplishments that you've had, but a there's so many people in the community, even outside of the community, that say there's still so much more you have to do. B so many of these government representatives are just like cis white allies, so it's like, so are you marching? Not there's anything wrong with being a cis white ally. No, but when it comes to like being a pride parade and like celebrating the community. We don't care about what you've done in the community in a parade type sense. Like you don't, you don't deserve to be paraded for doing what is right and ethical. You, I mean, you, there's you, a problem as well because you kind of have to approach it from the government standpoint of what do we do? If you don't acknowledge it, people will be mad. If you just leave it tweet, then people will be mad. And if you go to the parade, then people will be mad. It's really tough to find a happy medium. I guess if you announced some big sweeping pride government plan, that that's a good way because you're showing, hey, I'm going to promote change in the future. But that's tough to do every year. Yeah. Look, I'm going to give everybody a crash course in political science from Mr. Political Analyst over here. The reason that any politician does anything ever is to either be reelected or elected to a higher office. So at no point should you consider the support or intentions of a politician to be pure. You can say, hey, we appreciate that this is happening, but you shouldn't assume that it's because they genuinely care. You should assume that it's about getting votes. That's just how the country works. Sure. I don't know if I 100% agree with that. It's extremely cynical, but... Politics makes so much more sense when everything is viewed that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's messy. Just find your own event, please. Or like you can recognize pride without like marching. And yeah, that's that was Pride weekend. And that kind of also just kind of touches on Pride as a whole. Before we finish today, I don't know if you were about to finish. Uh yes. I'm going to give the review corner. We have an Apple review and, you know, it's our first one. So we're going to spotlight it. Okay. This one is from Ray Bally. I hope I pronounced your name right. Saying, let's be fair. This is a three star review. Just listen to the reunited review and they played only a snippet of Raj's apology. Dot, dot, dot. She was cut off on the show and definitely added it to make it more sincere. Hashtag just saying. Raj did a good enough job of portraying the villain in such a way that no production or leaving something out was necessary. Reviews are somewhat biased, although entertaining. One could easily surmise the host's favorites, so it's difficult to understand what actually happened on a show if you didn't see it yourself. If you're still listening, friend. Ray Bally. We're listening to you, and we appreciate the feedback. We really do. We love you. Yes, and uh, with that is our episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm... Connie the Lingus with Ottoman the Empire, also known as Peter. Uh, super special thank you to Miss Darling for their song Young Lover that we use in the intro and outro of this podcast. And if you enjoyed and you're listening to us on the radio, then you can find us on Apple Podcasts and pretty much anywhere else. If you're listening anywhere else, then you can find us at WNYU 89.1 every Tuesday from 7 to 7.30. And tune in next week. I believe we have an interview. Thank you so much and have a lovely evening. Happy July. <laughs>